Hello everyone and welcome to uh, another edition of the Knowing God podcast where we encourage those who know Father God and invite those who don't. Uh, slightly different one today, we're out on the street and I have uh, Mr Rob DeLuca with me. We have been uh, with Rob over the weekend. Rob and his family have been with us and it's been an amazing time. Rob, we're so grateful uh, for you coming. And if it's okay with you, I just want to ask you a few questions about knowing God. I'm assuming that's going to be okay, right? That sounds great. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, I know that you say that you know God and have an ongoing daily relationship with him, a vibrant hourly relationship. Would that be true? Yes, very true. Um, God touched me when I was a little boy. At the age of 10 years old, I didn't really know what happened. I went to a meeting that my mother brought me to and they started talking about forgiveness. And I had unforgiveness in my heart toward my mother because she made me go to that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the meeting, they asked if I would like to be forgiven of my sins. And I, I thought about it. And I knew I had sins because I knew I did wrong things. So I asked for forgiveness and I also forgave my mother. They use that scripture, forgiven you shall be forgiven, you know, the Lord's prayer. And all of a sudden I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what happened, but I heard about it from my grandmother and my great aunt. Uh, they were both Catholic charismatics at the time it was in the 70s and the Holy Spirit came into the Catholic Church you know the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and people were praying in this language I didn't understand but they said it was the prayer language it was a gift from the Holy Spirit called the gift of tongues so I heard other people do it but I felt like this power come upon me and it was like electricity and a warmth. But it also felt like love and, and comfort. And as soon as that happened, I began to weep uncontrollably. I couldn't stop it. And as I began to weep and cry, and I was asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins, I began to pray in this language. And this heavenly language started coming out of me. I didn't know what was happening, but I knew it was happening because I, my great aunt and my, and my grandmother. So I just went with it and I began to cry in tongues. And then the lady that was ministering in the Bible study said that uh, sometimes you don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit will pray through you in this perfect language. And your mind won't understand, but you'll be praying from your heart. And I just began to talk in this language and I knew that day that I experienced God in a real way. God the Father, the Son, the Savior of the world, Jesus, and also the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And you were 10 years old at I the time? I was 10 years old. I didn't know anything about God except what my mother told me and we went to a few church meetings. But God came and met me by the power of His Spirit. Um, later on I found out that Jesus told a story about the wind. He said, you don't know where the wind is coming from, 
you don't know where it's going, but you feel the wind when it blows by. And he said, same as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just like that. And you can see the wind of the Spirit blow by people, just like the wind blows by the trees. And then I figured out, oh, the Holy Spirit blew by me that day. And he's been doing it ever since. So for you then, knowing God doesn't seem like it's just a, a mental ascent thing. No, your knowing of God seemed to start with an experience. It did start with an experience. And um, I've told people that you can never trump an experience with theory. A man that has an experience will always believe what took place more than somebody with mental assent or a theory of what they're talking about concerning a subject, especially God. I experienced God and I've been around the world, I've been over 50 countries and everywhere I've gone, including Muslim countries and also Buddhist countries, the Christians that I've met have all had a similar experience with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is the relationship then between knowing God in your, in your head, you know, you have knowledge of God, you, you know stuff about God and what you're talking about. What's the difference? What's the relationship between the two? Well, it's like reading the book, the Bible. If you don't know God, you read the book, it doesn't make sense to you. But as soon as you meet the author, it starts to make sense. Yeah. Uh, it's a supernatural book. Um, but there's, there's two words um, in the Greek. One is logos, the written word. That's what it means. And then rhema, which is the living word. And when you know the author, when you experience Jesus, that book becomes alive. It doesn't touch your head. Head knowledge, there's limitation to it. You can get a form of wisdom or knowledge, but when you come from your heart, your spirit, the inner man, who you really are, not your flesh, not your mind, yeah. your will or your emotions yeah. or your intellect or your reasoning, but your heart, the place where it's hard to explain, but if you've ever felt pain, it isn't pain in your mind, it's pain in your heart. If you've ever felt overwhelming joy, like when a baby is born, or when you see somebody that you haven't seen in years. Or when England women win the Euros, right? <laughs> yeah, or when you win the soccer match <laughs> and England is the footy champion. <laughs> but it's, it's from the heart. And when people are able to divide the heart and the mind and see them as separate, your heart is, is who you really are, your spirit. Your mind is like a computer that just collects data. So when you touch God with your heart, he touches you back in the heart. The Bible says that you must be born again. What does that mean? Well, when you're born once, you're innocent like a little baby that's a newborn. And then we go through life and we experience pain, we experience sin, we experience heartache, everybody does. 
and we carry it around all of our lives. But then Jesus said it this way, you must be born again. And when you accept what he did on the cross, when you accept the supernatural power of the cross, the sacrifice of this cross, and you accept that the word of God is supernatural, it's a, it's a book that God left for man, and you accept that in your heart, it, Jesus said you must be born again. You accept it and you get a new spirit, a new heart. You become saved. And this is open to anyone, you think? It anyone is, can know God. To whomsoever wills or believes. The scripture says, with the heart man believes. It's not with the head. That's why a man that is convinced of his own opinion is hard to reach unless he receives what is being said from the heart, not from the head. So the head, head knowledge, you seem to be saying, can almost become a fortress that then almost seals off the heart. Would that be fair to say? I would say that the collections of thoughts and everything we've learned throughout life causes us to have our own personal opinion of what goes on in our world. Everybody has their own world. If people read about false gods, if they read about New Age, if they read about shamanism, if they read about Buddhism or, or you know, Islam, they're going to have their own personal opinions, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. I've never seen people converted by opinions. I've only seen people converted and changed in the heart by a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So if someone wanted to know God in much the way you do, then how does someone, how does someone access that? What, what does someone do? It's really simple, but it's profound. It's a simple prayer from the heart. Pretty much goes like this. Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross. I believe that you died for the sins of mankind. I ask you to forgive me from every sin that I've ever committed. Please come into my heart and save my soul. I surrender my life to you. I give you my heart, I give you my mind, I give you my body. I will live for you for the rest of my life. Reveal yourself to me. When that happens, and then you invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life, into your heart, that experience takes place. You go from the weight of sin and the burden of sin to feeling clean inside and experiencing a peace that nothing in the world can give. You can't get it from money. You can't get it from a relationship. You can't get it from a nice car. You can't get it from a big house or anything else. Success does not give that. I always ask people, well, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. I don't, you know, I'm like, well, if you don't believe in Jesus or if you don't believe in what he did on the cross, then how do you get rid of your sin? Because every man has a conscience even in the most primitive 
area of the world where people don't even read. They have a conscience. God gave man a conscience. That's good. To say, you're not to do this, you're not to do that. You don't steal from your friend. You don't kill another person that's innocent. You don't take what is not yours. Your conscience will speak to you. You'll, you'll know that was wrong. I did this, I lied, I stole, I didn't do what was right. When that starts to agitate your conscience and your heart, what do you do with it? How do you get rid of your sin? There's only one way, and Jesus said that if you will confess your sin and, and come before me and believe with your heart, then you will be forgiven of all sins. And that supernatural experience takes place. So I've spoken to some people before, a number of people, and I've said, essentially, are you ready? Are, are you interested in knowing God? Are you, are you ready? And they, I've had this answer many times. I feel like I don't know enough yet. There's loads, but there's loads I don't know, people say. There's loads I don't understand. What do you say to that? Well, probably most of what they don't understand and what they know is off. It's probably what I would call wonky. Yep, <laughs> wonky, yeah. <laughs> if you guys use that yeah, term Yeah, wonky in works in the UK. Yeah, you're a bit that. wonky. <laughs> <laughs> so if you put all that aside and focus in on this one thing, is he real? Is he the savior of the world? He's the most talked about man in the last 2,000 years. They tried to destroy the Bible over and over again. They tried to destroy the church. On every continent of the world, Jesus has talked about. Every nation, Jesus has talked about. Even in the nations that do not have a Christian foundation, they still talk about them. People have been saved from every generation in the last 2,000 years. If he's not real, why is everybody still talking about him? <laughs> it's pretty simple. And if he's not real, then why is that book still the number one bestseller? So sometimes we need to put aside all the rubbish that we've learned and start like a child with childlike faith and simplicity. You don't ask a child about how all the electricity works in a building. You just turn the switch on and all the lights come on. And it's pretty much the same with Jesus. You just need to flip the switch and get to the place of your heart, get out of your head, because you're not gonna figure out all the wires in the building and the wall that goes to the circuits. You're not, a, you're not an electrician, you're not a Sparky. If you get to the place where, hey, I need to flip this switch on and see the light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. As Soon as you accept Jesus, the light turns on and you enter out of darkness into his marvelous saving power, which is light. I've sometimes said to people um, when they've asked me that, although that answer is fab and better than mine, but I've often said to people, listen, when I got married, I, I knew my wife enough to say, yes, I, I want to be with you, but 
did I have entire knowledge of her? Oh my goodness, she still surprises me after all these years. I think, well, I didn't know that about you. Or, uh, and of course, the, the relationship is constantly changing. But I knew enough, and it wasn't much, but I knew enough to say, I, I want all of you for all of me forever. I want that deal. And essentially, that's the deal that is on offer from God anyway. He says, how about... You give me all of you. I'm going to give you all of me, and we do this thing forever. Is there, have we got a deal on the table here? Yeah. I mean, what a what a deal. That's an amazing deal. Well, exchanging your sin for forgiveness and purity and righteousness is an awesome covenant. It's what's an right, awesome? What's righteousness? Agreement. Righteousness. Can't is chuck it, a word like <clears throat> righteousness out. What does what does righteousness mean? The Bible says that none of us are righteous. Okay that all have sinned, that all have fallen short of God's requirement of who he is. Righteousness comes by faith, faith in what Jesus did. That's, that's the beginning of righteousness, the confession of sins, the receiving of mercy and grace. The Bible says faith works by love, so does grace. The faith that you have in what he did causes you to be made clean and right before him, where you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When that takes place, there is a regeneration process of renewing your mind and thinking what is right, what is good, what is honorable, what is pure, where your life and your, your perspective of life starts to change where you want what is good because something took place in your heart. You want what is right because something took place in your heart. You don't want to be stubborn and prideful. You want to be humble. You don't want to be mean and hateful. You want to be loving and kind. You get a new heart when you accept Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit comes from that simple prayer. You feel clean after, you feel righteous. And from there, it's the walk of righteousness by faith. We all fall short of God's requirement every day. Why? Because somebody cuts you off on the roundabout and you want to bless them in a very special way. <laughs> or, or you have a disagreement and you get angry. Whatever it is, we need the grace of God, but we don't take the grace of God in vain. It isn't a license to sin. It's an empowerment to live a righteous life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if someone has said, uh, yes, they've prayed a bit like that prayer that you, you said a little bit earlier, what, and they maybe have some, hopefully would have some encounter with God that, mm, that they know their life has changed in that moment. Let's put it that way. Yeah. What? What next? What, what, do you, what do you then do with that? You take baby steps. Okay. The best thing you could do is get around a community of believers that agree with what you've done, the decision you've made. Uh, the Bible says that if you hang out with wise people, you become wise. If you hang out with fools, <laughs> yep. you can become a fool. <laughs> so <clears throat> the first thing is separate yourself from the world. 
what I mean by that is when I became a Christian and I started to walk with God, when I became older, 18, 19, 20, I had to, I had to let go of some of my friends that were doing things that weren't good for me. Understand. Even if they didn't agree with me, I knew what was good for me. So I started with a simple devotion. I began to pray. Like this morning, I woke up like an ongoing relationship. Now it's 38 years later, but I woke up this morning, good morning, Lord. Morning, Holy Spirit. I began to pray. And then I opened up my Bible on my phone, my phone app, and I started to read. And I felt like God began to speak to me and strengthen me, and I started to receive wisdom, knowledge, and understanding for the day. That was my devotion time. I do that every morning. Go to church, a Bible study, a home group. Get in the place where you can grow and learn. The, the Bible says that that Word of God is like food. It's spiritual food. You need food every day to strengthen your body. When that takes place, that food nourishes you. It's the same spiritually. You need the Word of God. You need prayer to walk in fellowship with God. Not only do you pray to Him, but He said that He would speak to you. He said that you would hear His voice in your heart. He said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. You will begin to have communion in such a way with the Holy Spirit where when you pray to him, he starts to speak back to you and you begin to grow daily. And the more you learn of God and experience God and encounter his power, his miracle power, his healing power, his delivering power. You get even more hungry. You, your, your thirst and your, your hunger levels for more of who he is increases. Like when I was young, I was like, wow, God made the giraffes. <laughs> you know, I, w I was freaking out on the giraffes and I was like, he made long necks on those giraffes so they can eat the leaves in the trees. And then I'm like, okay. And then you made elephants with a long nose that just reaches up and grabs the leaves and the fruit off the trees. I look up in the sky and I'm like, everything is working perfectly. The oxygen in the earth, you know, the, the, the world is turning in, in its atmosphere. Our distance or, from the sun is just right. Everything is perfect. Yeah. If you can't believe that there is a creator, you need to wake up because it's everywhere. Birds fly in the sky and they don't crash into trees or buildings. Some do. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like people, some, they just don't get it. They crash into stuff. But when you figure out when the wind is blowing right, you might just jump on that wind, like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit, and you just might glide into life in a way you've never known. Maybe we need to just stop crashing into buildings. You know, <laughs> you never know. But <clears throat> to look at the ocean, to look at all of creation in, in the ocean, to look at all of creation on the earth, to look at all the produce, the fruit, the vegetation, 
uh, to look at how man has been created, we're made in the image of God. All of that speaks one thing, we have a creator and he wants to have a relationship with his creation. Love that. I'm just going to change tack slightly. I, um, over the years, I, I said yes to Jesus when I was 13. That is now 37 years ago. So a year younger than you in God. Um, and over the years, I have known probably thousands of Christians. It's not a word I use very often, but people who are saying they're following God, have a relationship with him. And yet, I would say very, very few of those whom I've come across seem to, I'm going to use the language, operate in any power. And one of the things we've seen um, from you this weekend, as much as you say it's not your power, and I entirely understand that, it's entirely that the, the Lord and the Holy Spirit, I get that, but you, uh, you're, you have prayed for people and you have seen miracles and there is, there is power. So why is it that there are so many Christians out there who may have been walking with God for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and yet you say, have you ever prayed for anyone and seen them healed? And they say, no. Why is that? Well, we'll go back to spiritual food. If you live on Maccas all your life, <laughs> don't knock McDonald's, come on. <laughs> and you eat pies <clears throat> and you have fish and chips on the beach every day and then ice cream for lunch. Uh, spiritually, you're not going to be healthy. <laughs> uh, shucks. No one told me. <laughs> so for me, when I saw a miracle for the first time, uh, I was a young man. I watched somebody that was crippled. Um, matter of fact, all of their motor skills were gone. Their, their hands were crippled, their arms were crippled. Their entire body was riddled with, um, with, how can I say? They could not move in any way or form. And I watched a prayer take place. It was a prayer of healing. And this young child began to straighten out his hands. It was a boy about five, six, seven. And I was really close. I was like three feet away from this child. And I began to hear like knuckles cracking, popping. And I watched his neck straighten out and I saw his his mom standing probably about six feet away, waving to him, come on, come on. And he was in this little child wheelchair. And I watched his arm straighten out. I watched him grab the rails of the wheelchair. His neck straightened out. He became very coherent. And then I watched him push out of the wheelchair, jump and leap into his mother's arms for the first time. Oh my word. I began to weep and cry, and I saw something that I had never seen before, a miracle in front of my eyes. Jesus became real to me. Within moments, another person walked up to me that was blind, 
I was just a young man watching this meeting, which was called a miracle meeting, where in the name of Jesus, people can be healed. Man walks up blind, weeping, saying, I can see you. I was already crying. I looked at him and I was blown away. From that time on, that was in 1985, I said, I want to know the God of miracles. I want to know about healing. And I began to search. I didn't want religion. I didn't want dead man's religion. I didn't want tradition. I didn't want to sit there in church service and listen to the same thing every week. I wanted what I saw. Another encounter, another experience, just like the Holy Spirit when he touched me with his power. I began to look for people that taught on miracles, people that taught on supernatural healing. I began to read about history, church history, where it has taken place for hundreds of years. And you hear about God moving, and they called it revival. Reviving, bringing back to life what was dead. Yeah. And then you read about it in the Bible when Jesus and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus healed. And the Bible says that he's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. I read about the disciples and all of the followers of Jesus. They were operating in signs, wonders, and miracles. They were healing the sick. I said, I want that Jesus. I don't want a dead, boring, religious Jesus. I don't want a Jesus on a statue or still hanging on a cross in a church that's far, far away. I want a Jesus that's right in the middle of us, alive, yeah. full of power, yeah. and is doing signs, wonders, and miracles. Since that journey in 1985, the beginning of my journey, all the way to now, I've seen thousands and thousands of healings and miracles just like that Come little on. boy the first time I saw a miracle. If you're hungry for the good stuff, if you want the meat, I mean filet mignon. <laughs> I mean the best of the best. If, if you want a prime cut of lamb, roasted perfectly with a little bit of gravy on top. <laughs> and if you're a vegan or if you're a vegetarian, a beautiful roasted dish of veggies with, with a beautiful bechamel sauce, whatever you want to call it, the best of the best of what you love to eat. If you want the good stuff, you'll find it in the Word of God. You'll find it in a church. And if you can't find it in one church, go to another church and another church and another church yeah. until yeah. you find what I'm talking about, where God is alive and He still heals today. So we say often that if you give me your bank statement and your diary, I'll tell you what your priorities are in your life. And it sounds to me like you're saying, because you saw that miracle, you basically then reorientated, or reoriented, I think you would say, <laughs> your life and saying, I'm, I'm gonna invest my, effectively, time, energy, and money. I'm going after that. I'm, I'm gonna check, my life is now gonna change. My focus, my priorities are gonna change, because I want that. I, I want to see that happen again. I have spent many hours. I have paid for flights around the world. I have moved locations for what I'm talking about because I was so hungry for God. To know the God that operates in miracles, to know the God that sets people free 
I've watched demons cast out of people, and that's not just in Africa or Asia or the Middle East. I've seen it happen in, the, in America. I've seen it happen in the UK. I've seen it happen all over Europe. Anywhere and everywhere, in the power of Jesus' name, people can be healed, people can receive a miracle, and they can also be set free from demons. Amazing. So we are, we've got to wrap up in just a minute, but I want to ask one final question, and that is this. What is it that you haven't yet seen in God that you would love to see? What does your heart still burn for? I could say seeing the dead raised, but we do have two testimonies in our ministry where the dead have been raised. One was um, this teenage Indian girl. Her auntie died and she was in the hospital, flatline dead. But we would talk about how people could be raised from the dead in Jesus' name. She remembered that. She went in and prayed for her auntie that was pronounced dead in the hospital. She prayed for her and that flat line came back to life. Breath came back into her life and she was raised from the dead. I was not there, but I believe in it. I've taught on it that you shall raise the dead in my name, Jesus said. She did it. And it went throughout all the ICU ward. It went throughout all our church. And we're like, we need to believe God to see the dead raised. Another young man in our church goes on a missions trip to Africa. A 14-year-old boy, African boy, dies. They're at a church meeting. They begin to pray. And they begin to pray in that supernatural language, tongues, over him. And he kept on hearing, raise the dead, raise the dead. And he, and he remembered my words, pray through until you feel peace. He prayed and prayed. There was a bunch of young people. They kept on praying over him. A few hours later, the boy comes back to life. A few hours? A few hours later, they prayed for three hours, almost four, three and a half hours, they said. That young boy started to breathe again, sat up, stood up, came back to life. Said that he saw Come Jesus. Come on. So I would love to see that. I, I think it's kind of it's a hard question to ask because I'd love to see the dead raised everywhere I go. You know, um, I'm sure that families would be radically touched and saved from it. But I think there's another one. It's kind of equal in part. I would love to see the world saved. And I would love to see the greatest um, move of God that the world's ever seen where miracles and healings take place in entire communities, entire countries, where the greatest miracle of them all would take place, and that's called the salvation of man. Yeah. Love that. Rob, thank you so much um, for giving up your time for this. I wonder, if, just to finish, if you would just pray for uh, the listeners, that would yeah. be amazing. That would be um, an honor and a pleasure. Father, right now I just pray for whoever hears this, that their hearts would be moved. If they don't know you, I pray that they would know you, Jesus. Father, if 
they do know you, I pray that they would hunger more for you, that they would have such a hunger for who you really are, where you would encounter, where they would encounter your power and you would encounter them, where they would experience your spirit in such a way that it would change their lives, where they would experience signs, wonders, and miracles, Yes. where they would be set free from every bondage, every sin, and they would be set on fire in your love. Lord, right now I pray that even your power would flow through my words as they listen. Yes. And they would feel you. They would experience you by the sound of my voice, that your voice would speak through them and they would know that they are loved, that you want to save them. You want to give them a hope and a future, a good life, a blessed life. Yes, God. But most of all, that they would know you and be able to walk with you in such a way that it would be a daily experience with your love and your power. In Jesus' name, we bless all those that hear. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, amen. Amen. And we would love to thank you for listening. If you have been impacted by anything you've heard today, then email me, chris at numachurch.uk. I would love to hear from you. And we will see how we can help hook you up with some other people uh, and help you to know God better. So lots of love from us and we will see you again next time. Mm -hmm.